If you have your Bibles tonight, if we want to go to Leviticus chapter 9, Leviticus chapter 9, starting at verse 22. And when you get there, can you say amen so to indicate that I know that you're there? Well, I guess two people are there. <laughs> and the word of the Lord says this. And Aaron lifted up his hand towards the people and blessed them and came down from the offering and of the sin offering and of the burnt offering and of the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar a burnt offering and the fat, which with all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. We're in Leviticus chapter 10. And Nabdib and Abahu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they did die before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Heavenly Father, we come this day, Lord, we just give you thanks and praise uh, for just having this opportunity to stand before your people, to present your message, to present your word of truth, Lord. I pray for clarity right now, God. I pray for clarity as I present this word that the people may know what you would have for them, Lord. And I pray that hearts and minds will be open, that they will be open to receive your word of truth and respond in obedience. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit does a great work through me. Lord, I ask you to just remove me from the picture that they can see you, Jesus. All these blessings I ask in your son name, Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus means or pertains to the Levites. It comes from the Greek translation of the book. The Levites was a very unique people in the tribe of Israel. They had a special calling. They were dedicated for a specific task and a specific purpose. God called the Levites just as he did the church. If you look at the first word in the book of Leviticus, it comes from the Hebrew word that means, and he called. The same word that declares the church, and he called. The Levites, they were just they just were, they had a specific task, and that specific task was to deal with the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle, what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle is a portable tent where the people could meet and reach God, where offerings were rendered, relationships were reconciled, and fellowship was restored. The tabernacle was like a portable temple, a place where God's presence would reside and dwell, and that if the people needed to know anything from God, they could go to this tabernacle. But because of the tabernacle, God had to dedicate and allocate and assign groups of people to take care of the needs of the tabernacle. This is during the time when Israel, they're traveling in the wilderness, 
and they're traveling in the wilderness, and they're trying to go to the promised land. And in the pursuit of trying to go to the promised land, they have to pick up and, and take care of the needs of maintenance of the temple or the tabernacle, carrying the vessels. But there was a unique group amongst the Levites, which were called the priests. And the priests were only Aaron, which was the brother of Moses, and his sons. And they had a special task to do. They conducted the sacrifices. Sacrifices were very significant in this time. It was a part of the old covenant. Many of you don't know if the old covenant was you abide by the law, then everything would be all right. Your relationship would be with God restored. But because man was sinful over and over and over and over again, they constantly had to have remissions or redemption or payment for their sins. And these priests would embark upon, on a daily basis, going about in the temple, conducting sacrifices. But that's not all about with this book. The main theme in this book is distinctions. I want you to remember that. The main theme in the book of Leviticus is distinctions. Distinctions among what? Distinctions between holy and unholy. Distinctions between clean and unclean. Distinctions between appropriate behavior and inappropriate behavior. Distinctions between proper worship and improper worship. And we're looking in a text right now where the priests, remember, are embarking upon reconciliation, reconciling or bringing back or restoring the relationship between God. Now, in Leviticus chapter 9, this was a special time. This was the dedication of the tabernacle. And God laid out specific instructions on how he wanted worship to be laid and how it wanted to be conducted and done. And I want you to know two things, a distinction. You'll notice in Leviticus chapter 9, you see one example of complete obedience. But in Leviticus chapter 10, you see another example of incomplete obedience. And with this, you see a parallel between the two, and in the months that, that the parallel between the two, you'll notice the distinction of right worship, improper worship, wrong worship. I want to talk from this subject called Don't Add Strange Fire. Don't Add Strange Fire. What does that word strange mean? That word strange means common worldly, something that has not been declared holy. One thing that we have to understand as believers is God declare what is holy. We don't have the right, we don't have the, 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 the say, the choice, or the right to say what is holy and what is unholy. Because God is a sovereign and awesome and a powerful God. So he has that right. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the Lord of all. He's all powerful. And because he has that rule, that right, he's supreme He could declare what is holy and what isn't holy. And so in this text, he he says, says in chapter 1, he says, Nabdib and the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded him not to do. That fire, what's that fire represent? That fire represent worship. I want you to keep this definition of worship, and I want you to understand, 
this is a simple, simplified definition. I could get more intricate and detail, but I want to keep it very simple because I want you to understand. Worship is the response of the believer to the nature of God. Remember that in the back of your mind. Worship is the response of the believer to the nature of God. God created the law. He gives the law through Moses. The priest fulfills and go about doing the law. But in the midst of doing that, that's the worship, the response. And what we see in this text is we see two different responses between Aaron and what his sons did. I want to speak from this point. He says this, number one, he says, defiling a sacred commandment. If you're taking notes, defiling a sacred commandment. As I said in verse number one, he said, which he commanded them not to do. Basically, the priests would go about in their daily rituals, and they would go, and, and, and people would come in, and they would bring out about offerings, and some of them were, whatever the particular offering was, whether it was a burnt, a sin offering, a trespass offering, they would chop it up, or whatever they would do, they would slaughter it, take the blood, do something specific with the blood, and sometimes they would take the remnants of the animal, put it on the altar. And they would burn it. Why would they burn it? They would burn it because the scent from the burn would go in the midst of the air and provide a sweet savior to God. And God would come down and bring his, what we call Shekinah glory. His Shekinah glory, he would bring it down. And when he would bring his Shekinah glory down, they would know that God was well pleased with the sacrifice, with the worship, the response of the believer, to the nature of God. But there's something interesting about this. He says, they defile a sacred command. How did they defile a sacred command? Look here, he says, they got an unauthorized source. An unauthorized source. They said they offered strange fire before the Lord. And I I begin to wonder this. I said, but but, but wait, well, an unauthorized source. If this is dealing with worship, I begin to ask myself this question. Do we begin to offer strange, common worship to an almighty God? Do we offer worship in our confines, our terminology? Do we offer worship based on our personal philosophy? After all, our personal philosophy should be based on biblical theology, right? Our personal theology, our personal philosophy should be based on biblical theology, right? Oh, I guess none of y'all to believe that. Okay. I'll say that one more time. Our personal philosophy should be based on biblical theology, right? Amen. Okay, we're getting better with this. We can do a call response. It's all right. I know it's preaching time, but y'all can respond back. Where is your source of worship coming from? The Bible states this. He says in John 4 and 24, he says, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God created the nature of worship. And what do you do? You respond. The nature of God. He's a spirit. You have to worship him in spirit and in truth. But the spirit means your humanly element, the emotion. It's it's, it's all right to worship God with a little bit of emotion. I'm not talking about getting crazy and, and doing all type of weird, devilish stuff. What I'm saying is if you're excited, you ought to show your excitement because God is good. Right? Right? Oh, come on. We can get a little bit better than this. Right? All right. So if, if, if God is a spirit and, and, and you worship him in truth 
and spirit and in truth, that, that there's a human element to that, that you say, you know what? I get excited about the things of God. See, God has created this covenant with me, this relationship with me, and I should be excited about it. I, I look at, I, I come to church, and, and, and it's a funny thing. Christians should be the most happiest people on the earth. Yeah, none of you believe that, I guess. But okay. Christians should be the happiest people on the earth. But because our perspective on God, we, we oh God, why do I got my life to be like this? Or we complain, we murmur, we, 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 that, that, that gives us a different perspective on worship. And so because it gives us a different perspective on worship, we have an unauthorized source because our worship is based on our personal philosophies, our traditionalism, our ritual. Our worship is not based on truth. The truth is the revealed scripture. But it has to be a balance. You can't have one without the other. See, some people say, well, I'm biblical, so I, I, I do certain things in a certain way. But if you don't have spirit, then it just don't work. You, you can't go to God and take part of God and say, well, God, I'll give you part. And that was the key that with this, this, this passage of Scripture in the chapter 10 of Leviticus. They gave part worship to God and thought that it was going to be complete. And God had to show them, you can't come to me like that. You have to take me as I am and come to me correct in completeness. He says this. He says, unauthorized source. He, 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 well, if there was the unauthorized source, then what was the, un, what was the authorized source? Turn to me with Leviticus chapter 12. I want to look at this real quick. Leviticus chapter uh, 6, verse 12. And then after we get there, we're going we're gonna to make a term. He says, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, and it shall, be, and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood in every morning, and lay the burnt offering in the order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offering and the fire that's ever burning upon the altar it shall never go out now i want you to turn to leviticus 9 turn to chapter leviticus chapter 9 leviticus chapter 9 verse 24 which was already something that we read said this and the fire came out before the lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering of fat. And when all the people saw that, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, remember what I told you. This is the dedication of the tabernacle. This is the first time that they're offering a sacrifice in the tabernacle. And God's Shekinah glory is coming down and consuming the place. Now, I want you to see this. He says, what was the altar? It was called the brazen offer. It was the bronze altar. Now, I want you to look at this picture right here. In this picture, I want you to notice something. In the middle where you see the cloud or smoke coming down, that is the brazen altar. Now, there's something very unique about this brazen altar. It was in the middle of the courtroom, in the midst of the tabernacle. So as you walked in the sanctuary of the tabernacle, you would see this big pit. But in the big pit, it was a mound of earth that was raised up above it. I began to do a little bit of research on, well, what does this signify or typify this signifies the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. On the hill of Golgotha, the skull, there's a cross. And on the cross, there, there was a burnt offering, a sacrifice made for you and me. That's the authorized source for the Christian today. The cross. Are you, is your life cross-centered? 
Is your marriage cross-centered? Is your worship cross-centered? Is your teaching cross-centered? Is your life cross-centered? Because many of us, we preach and we teach and we worship, but it's not cross-centered. I guess you don't believe that. Many of us preach and teach and it's not cross-centered. And he says this, he says, this bronze altar, represents the cross of Jesus Christ. When, you, when, you, when a Christian, when somebody looks at your life, they should see the cross of Jesus Christ. It, the, Matthew 16 and 24 says, you, you can't even come to God and follow him accurately unless you what? Pick up the what? Well, deny yourself and pick up the what? Okay, we got some Bible readers in the house. He says, okay. So he said, pick up the cross and follow after who? All right, Jesus. So he said, pick up the cross and follow after Jesus. He says, he's, this, this represents the cross. I, I love this hymn because it says, at the cross. Somebody know what I'm talking about. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the what? Come on. And the what? And the burdens of my heart, what? It was there by what? That I received my what? And I was what? All right, well, I got it. somebody ought to get a little bit happy on that, I guess. Uh, he's, it, it's at the cross. It's not yourself. It's not your mama. It's not your daddy. None of these people can make you happy more than the cross. It's not your wife. It's not your kids. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross. Well, okay, maybe I get it. I'll, I'll give you another song. Calvary covers it all. My sin in what? My sin in what? Don't what? Come on, say it out, Latinas. Don't what? Don't count any what? More. Oh, what? Oh, praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. There is power in the cross. It's the authorized source of everything that I do, everything that I am, every way that I worship. It's the cross. That's the authorized source. It's the authorized source. And this represents this. This, this brazen offer, this altar, the altar high and lifted up, it represents the cross. And, 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 and in Leviticus 9, chapter 24, it, it, what we call a theosony, a theosony that occurred. A theosony is an outward manifestation of God. When, when God, God could not show himself because if God would show himself, you would die because you are so unrighteous, you are so unholy. So what God would do is he would go in these theophanies or these outward manifestations and he did it through the fire so that you would know that I am God and he said okay the the, the glory of God look at when Aaron did according to everything that was told what happened the glory of God came through and it came and consumed and that was the authorized source for everything they needed how was they supposed to do it they were supposed to take the coals from the brazen offer now we don't know the Bible don't indicate clearly where the strange fire came from. But the Bible said it was strange, so it didn't come from the right source. So at least I know that. So if it didn't come from the right source, then it wasn't what proper what? It wasn't proper worship. And so, the fire represents God's presence, his power, and his preservation. But there's another thing that happened. There was unwarranted service. Unwarranted service. Unwarranted service. He says this. 
in verse number one. And he put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Now, I got to do a little bit of research. We got to go back. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. Turn with me there. He says, and Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps. He shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. Now, this, this, this offering of incense, this was located in the holies of holy. Now, I want you to think about this. The tabernacle, the outer court, is right over here. And the holy of holies is here. And there's a veil right here. And then the veil blocks from the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant, the resemblance of God, resided. But there was incense that was burned every morning. That incense represents pleasing God with the aroma. And in Psalms, it talks about your prayers being like incense. And every morning and every evening, Aaron would go before God in light and burn incense. And he would burn this incense so that when God would reside in the temple or the tabernacle, that he would know that he would be pleased by the scent of it. I, I looked at this. I, I, I got this. Some of us as Christians, we try to please God. You know, I, if I was Aaron's sons, I would be like, well, least, well God, I tried to please you. I, 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 you, you told me, you know, to light the, wait, hold on. Wait, the, well, someone was supposed to light it. Many of us as Christians, we say, okay, well, I, I want to be pleasing to God. And sometimes we embark on unwarranted service. That unwarranted service means things that don't belong to you or things that have not been commissioned by you. That's not your job that you, you embark upon. And you say, oh, God, well, I tried to do it. But God said, I never told you to do that in the first place. You've never been planned to do that. You've never been designed to do that. If you got a job, stick to what you're supposed to do. And see, many of us as Christians Thank you, Ms. Denoff. Somebody amen me. <laughs> and as Christians, what we do is, oh, I, I want to do this. And, oh, I want to do this. And, well, well Jesus, well, somebody got to do it. So I guess we all got to do it. So I'll do it. But if, if God never commissioned you to do it, it's not pleasing in his sight. So Aaron was the only one because he was the high priest that was able to go in the temple in the holies of holies and to present himself before God. No priest was allowed to do that. So why are you trying to burn incense, sons? Because you can't go in the temple? You can't go in that holies of holies? So, so why are you doing it? We don't know. The Bible never clearly indicated, but we know that they did it. We have an unauthorized source. And we have unwarranted service. What was the result? What was the result of it? They were destroyed by supernatural conflagration. Destroyed by supernatural conflagration. Now, I use that word conflagration. Blame Pastor Joe for that. I'm just going to blame him. I told him I was going to put him in the, under the bus. I've been, I've been learning a lot of vocabulary words. And by learning a lot of vocabulary words, that conflagration means a large, disastrous fire. Let, let me tell you something. When God came down and, 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 and put judgment, 
He didn't just bring some little fire down. He came down with the earth. He said the fire of the Lord came down. Let, let's look at it. He says in verse number 2, he says in, 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 in 10 and 2, he says this. He says, and there came fire out before the Lord and consumed upon the altar. Wait, my bad. Verse number 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. They died before the Lord. So let me tell you something. When God's sending out fire, it, it's, 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 it's a major, disastrous explosion. He did it two ways. He devoured them. That devour word means it swallowed them up. When, when God brings about judgment, you can't get out of it. You, you, you know how you want, how you want to twiggle or whisk your way out? You, you can't get out of it. Because when God executes judgment, he's a righteous God, he's a holy God, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing. When he executes judgment, you, you can't get out of it. He, 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 he devoured them. He swallowed them up. Wait, what was the next thing he did? And they died. You can't continue to go before God and present strange things. Maybe it's not fire, but strange fire or, or, or strange worship or, 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 or strange prayers or strange devotional life or strange marriages or strange Christianity or strange things to God and think that he is not going to execute judgment. I believe God is merciful and that's why he executes judgment. That, that's a part of mercy, executing judgment. We, we cannot abuse the grace of God. Romans 6.1, can we continue and sin that grace may abound? Heaven forbid. No, we cannot. And I, I think sometimes as Christians, we got casual with God because we, we got this relationship with God. And, and so we, we don't, we, we're, sometimes we're not in awe of God or we're not reverence of God. It's just kind of like, well, God is just my, it's like my best friend. No, no, no. He's not your best friend. He's your God. He's, he's, he's the lover of your soul. He's your creator. He's your sustainer. He saved you. He maintained you. He redeemed you. And sometimes as Christians, we have to remind ourselves of the judgment of God because sometimes we get a little bit casual with God. We come to church. We sit down. We sit up. We stand up. We sit in the pew. We sing a song. We go back. We go home. We live our lives. We live this comfortable style of Christianity, and we get so casual with God, and we fail to forget the, 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 the holiness of God, the awesomeness of God, the reverence of God, the, the the, the, the nature of God. And so because we fail to forget the nature of God, we go into situations like this. Well, I could just give strange things. I, I can offer it up. I, I can throw it out there. I, I, got, I got grace. Grace will keep me. And grace will. But don't think that you're going to just use grace and think you're going to cash it because it's going to come a time when grace is going to bounce. And judgment is going to come. He says this, he says, destroy it in a disastrous fire. Did God have to take this course of action? I would say yes. He's, he's, he's a just God. He's a holy God. We, we, we can't, one of the things is we cannot go to God and create the standard. Well, well, God, this is who you are, and this is what I want you to be, and this is how I want my life to live, and this is how I want my marriage, and this is who I want to do, and this is how I want to teach. This is how I want to serve you. You can't do that. And as Christians, we don't say it orally, but with our lifestyle, with our actions, we do it because we're so casual with God. We, we've, got, we, we've gotten to this routine of called Christianity. Christianity used to be something pure, and now it's become something routine. Oh, it's a daily routine. Oh, we got to go up, get to church. Oh, Saturday, 
It's visitation time. Oh, well, this is the routine. We got to do it. Oh, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Oh, Wednesday night. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm not saying any of those are awful. But what I'm saying is we got to remind ourselves daily. We got to continue to remind ourselves of the awesomeness of God so we don't fail to forget who he truly is, the nature, so we can worship properly. He says this. This is a quote by John MacArthur. A serious crime against God is corrupt worship. Today's worship has become so superficial and trivialized, diminishing importance. We, 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 we don't consider worship as something that, that is joyful. We don't consider worship as something that is, okay, well, it, it, it's the common thing. It's the strange thing. Because some of us, we've, we've been in this Christian thing a little bit long. We've been saved, and we, we've seen it, and we've seen it all. But you can't do that with God because God is unexpected. You have to expect the unexpected with God. You, you, you can't just say, okay, well, God, this is what I expect, and, and this is how I want you to. You can't do that. And I think as Christians, we live our life with that way of worship. Why did God have to do this action? He says this. I have to declare sovereign control. That's a declaration of sovereign control. He, 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 there was a defilement of the commandment. They, they, they were destroyed by supernatural conflagration. But it's a declaration of sovereign control. Look at this, verse number three. He says, then Moses said unto Aaron, this is that the Lord spake. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. God has to declare his sovereign control. He has to say, there's something to quote that my dad used to say to me when I was coming up. And, and my dad used to say this. He said, boy, you better check yourself for you wreck yourself because my hand on your lip might affect your health. I'm a poet and I know it and I often try to show it. Listen to me good and you won't blow it. And I think sometimes God, he had to declare his sovereign control. He said, he said, you know what? You better check yourself because you're about to wreck yourself. Because if you're going to come nigh to me, that means come close to God, I will be sanctified. I will be holy. I don't, I, that's not a, that's not a, oh God, that's not an asking. That's a co- direct command. God demands holiness and he demands to be seen as holy from his people. After all, he saved you, right? Oh, man, that's, that's awful. After all, he saved you, right? He redeemed you, right? He sanctified you, right? So if he did all those things, he's a holy God. So we must come to him. We must come to him and be sanctified. Now, now God has to be sanctified in holiness. Wait, but wait, hold on, Darnell. But wait, but Darnell, how does that apply to me today? I'm not no, am I a priest? I don't conduct no sacrifice. I, I, I don't go before the altar. I don't, we're not killing no animals. I thought Jesus was the last final sacrifice. Has anybody heard of something called the priesthood of all believers? Anybody heard that? I believe in something called the priesthood of all believers. It's a doctrine that's biblically supported. The priesthood of all believers. That means this. If you've been saved, there's been benefits given to your account because you've been saved. You agree with that? I guess not. You don't agree with that. Okay. All right. So because you're saved, there's benefits. See, I like benefits, right? 
So if, if, if someone said, you know what, hey, because you have this account with us, you get benefits like free checking account. You like those things, right? Or you get an extra $100. Oh, man, y'all don't like free money? Oh, man, oh, gosh, what church am I preaching to? Okay, all right, moving on. He says this. He says, he says, he said, I will be glorified. I believe in something called the priesthood of all believers. First Peter 2 and 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. That's amen. Amen. I will amen that myself. Because you know what? God, you're a chosen generation. That means God has said, you know what? You can come on to me now. I, I've created this new fellowship with us, and now you're a priest. A priest means this. You have access to the king of kings. You have access to the king of kings. That means you don't got to go to Pastor Tony. You don't got to go to Pastor Joe. You teenagers don't have to go to Pastor Tyler. And you don't have to go to Pastor Dave and say, Pastor, can you go to God before me because I committed a sin. You can go to God on your own and you can pray to God and you can go to a righteous God and say, hey, God, this is me and I'm a holy chosen generation. I'm a peculiar person. I'm holy because you've declared me holy because I've been justified. It's my position, not anything that I've done. And I can stand before God and say, I'm a priest. I'm a priest. Say, I want you to do this. Say, neighbor, look, I want you to turn to your neighbor. Okay, come on. We got to do a little bit better than this. Come on, church. Come on now. We got to do a little bit better than this. Say, neighbor. Come on, get a little louder. Say, neighbor. I'm a priest. Come on, we got to do a little better. Say, neighbor. I'm a priest. I'm a priest because God has saved me. I'm a priest not because of anything that I've done. I'm a priest because God has redeemed me. I'm a priest not because you said it, not because some pastor came and talked to me. I'm a priest because God has commissioned or ordained me because he saved my wretched soul when I was down and out. And some of y'all, many of y'all, many of y'all maybe been saved long ago, but I remember the day when I was in sin, and I didn't have no peace within, and God had to call me out of darkness into the marvelous light so I can show forth his praises. He said, if you're going to come to me, you're going to worship me right. I'm God. You're going to worship me right. Come on now. If you're going to come to me, you're going to worship me like I'm God. You're not going to worship me like I'm your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're going to worship me because I'm God, and I demand to be holy. I demand that you recognize my holiness. You will recognize it one way, two ways, by faithfulness or fear, but you will recognize my holiness. You will recognize my holiness by faithfulness or fear, but you will recognize me as holy. Look at Leviticus chapter 9. Aaron was faithful. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. He saw the glory of God, the holiness of God. Look at the other example, the fear. Look at the sons. The sons, they, they gave strange fire, and they saw the holiness of God. Now, somebody saw the fire, and somebody was in the fire. I don't want to be the Christian that's caught in the fire. I don't know about you. Do y'all want to be caught up in the fire? Come on, y'all can do a little bit better than this. Come on, church. Y'all want to be caught up in the fire? I don't want to be a Christian that's stuck 
downtrodden it because I lived my life and I lived my life with, with, with traditions, ruling my worship. I, I, I don't want to live my life saying, well, my mama did it that way, so I guess I got to do it that way. And my daddy did it that way. My daddy was a preacher, so I guess I got to do it like him. Or my grandpa, my grandpa's a preacher. He's about to be 90 years old. I guess I got to do it like him because they've been doing it the way he's been doing it for 40, 50 years. I, I got to do it God's way because God's way will always, 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 always win. Always win. You know why it would always win? Because he's God. He controls the earth. He, he sustains the earth, it, the, 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 the heavens, the stars. Who who you think working all that? Ain't you? I mean, come on, let's be real. I mean, literally, who, who, who do you think is, is running everything? Who do you think runs the government? Now, I know you say we're the prince of this earth, but who do you think got authority over the prince of this world? All right, okay, okay, all right. Who do, you think got, who, who do you think has the authority over your marriage? Who do you think has the authority over your life? Who do you think has authority over your soul? God. So if he has authority over all these things, then we better acknowledge him who he is. Because ain't nobody, I, I can't say Buddha has it. I can't say Muhammad has it. I can't say Obama has it. I can't say your mama has it. But I can say one thing. I know by the word of God, I can declare and decree that God has it because he's declared it in his word that he is all powerful. He's almighty. And he has the right to declare holiness. And he says, you know what? You are going to declare me as holy. You are not going to continue to live your life and give me strange things. You, you know, uh, he says, he says he, you know what the problem with Christianity today is? It's knockoffs. You know, Christian, it's, it's, it's knockoff. Okay, maybe y'all don't understand. Okay, some of you ladies, how many of you ladies like purses? Come on, raise your hand. You like purses? All right. That's like going to the coach store or, or, or you, you got a coach or it's really a poach. It ain't really a coach. And, and what you're doing is it's got the peace sign. And what you're doing is you go to the coach store and you get you a coach purse. And, and what you do is you, you kind of put a little emblem on there. Well, I put the little C on there and I tag it on there. And you walk around, you're looking fancy. And you say, oh, look at you. Look at this. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's my coat. You just perpetrating and you lying. And, and you just keep walking. Or oh, where you get it from? Then you got to lie again to kind of cover it up. Oh, you know, God just made ways out of no way. You know, I got it from that store, you know. And you know it's fake. You know it's not the real deal. You, you, you know, and that's the problem with Christianity. We have given knockoffs to God and expected it to to, to, to say, okay, well, God, just be pleased with it because it's grace. Our, our, our church life, our church walk, it's all been created and, 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 and created. We have created knockoffs of the pure thing. Wait, so if, if you take a coach purse and it's really called a poach, not a coach, and you 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 sharing it you 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 walking around. We we try to perpetrate, but you you can't see see with God. See God said, I know all. You you can't go before me with that poach because I'm gonna call you out right on it. And and some of you Christians that 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 have discernment and that's been with God because you've been faithful with God, you'll be able to see the same thing. You you'll be able to see okay, that ain't that ain't real Christianity. That's 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 knockoff. It's knockoff. I don't want my, let me tell you something, church, I'm a 20, I'm a 23 years old. I, I, I plan to live a little longer if God doesn't see that. But let me tell you something, I, I don't want my whole Christian experience to be a knockoff. 
I don't want my whole Christian experience to be a knockoff. I, I, don't, I don't want to just give, okay, well, I, I guess I'll just take the poach and just, okay, well, God, this is what it is, so I, I guess we'll just work with it. I, I don't want my whole Christian, and, and the church, I pray that for all of us. I don't want our Christian experience to be knockoff. I don't want my preaching to be a knockoff. I don't want my teaching to be a knockoff. I don't want my ministry work to be a knockoff. I don't want my service to be a knockoff. I don't want my life, the way I talk, the way I carry myself, the way I deal with other people, I don't want it to be a knockoff. And what Christianity has become today is knockoff. Maybe you men. How many of you men like John Deere? Okay, none of y'all like John Deere. Okay, I guess. I was trying to be a little bit culturally relevant. Come on now, help me out, people. Help me out. Help me out. I'm trying in some way to be culturally relevant. John Deere. If you take a John Deere tractor, I guess in the north, a lot of all the guys, they, they like John Deere and, and stuff like that. And you took off a knockoff of John Deere and you put a sticker on it. Is it a John Deere? Oh, okay. It, it, some of you said no. Some of you said, see, it, it, no, it's not. Because of the mechanical makeup of, uh, 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 of a John Deere tractor, it's unique. Just as the same with a coach purse. The coach purse, as I, I was told, my sister loves coach purses, and so she's been asking me to get her one for Christmas. I don't know why. And so we went in the coach store, and they were explaining all this stuff. And I said, I guess I'll use this as an illustration. I guess I have some meaning to being in this coach store. And so she said, she said well, the, our leather is very, our specially made leather. It's stitched with the finest handcraft. You, 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 you know that it's a coach. And let me tell you something. That's what I want my Christian life to be. I want my Christian life to be so unique, so, di- so divinely created in, in a sense of worked out and, and, and God working in my life where you look at me and you see not a poach, you see a coach. You look at me and you, you don't see just a, a, a peer, but you see a John Deere tractor when it's going around. You see because I'm mechanically made up. My soul has been anchored in Christ and my, the spirit of God has been moving in my life and moving the way I've been acting and living and talking and speaking. I know. I know. I, I, I know that I'm living pure Christianity. Remember what I told you? Leviticus is, is this book. Many of us, I, I, at first when I read this book, I said, oh, my. I said, Lord, help me with this because this is just a bunch of laws. And, but as I begin to read the book, I begin to see there's a distinction. God is declaring. You, you, let me tell you something. With God, there, there, there's not like... There's not a middle, there's not like this middle ground where, where we could teeter-totter. And some of us, we like to teeter-totter. We like to jump over here and jump over here and jump over here and jump over here. No, no, with God, you, you got you to gotta choose. You're you going to be on my side? You're you going to follow me? You're going to take my holiness? Or, or what are you going to do? Are, are you going to back up and, or are you going to let me be God? And, 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 and the funny thing is, you know, when God was giving this message and he was preaching this message to me, I said, why do I got to force you to be, why do I got to force you to be God in your life? You came to me. You missed it. Why, why do I got to force you to be Lord in your life? You said that I was better. You said that your love, the, the love that I had for you was greater than any love that you could ever know. Wait, hold on. You missed that, Christian. So, so if God is saying, hey, wait. If I'm coming to you, why do we have to force God or why do we have to make God or have God force us? Let me phrase it like that. Why do we have to force God to, to, to make us respond to him right? 
It should, be just, it should just be naturally coming out of our life. It should, right? Thank you. Thank you. Somebody, somebody it should naturally come out. You, 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 because you've been saved. He says, if you've been in Christ, you're a new creature, right? Y'all believe the Bible, right? All right. So if you believe the Bible and the Bible says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. He says, old things are what? Pass away and all things are what? All things are did what? All right, we got some Bible readers in the house. Praise the Lord for that. All right, so all things are made new. So if you're in Christ, we shouldn't have to go by fear. Now, now we shouldn't have to go by fear. Of, 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 and I'm not talking about fear in the sense of not reverencing God. I, I, that's not the, the point of what I'm saying. Fear. I'm talking about fear saying, well, uh, scared. Scared of what's to come. Scared to let God work in your life. Scared of those things. My last point, my last point. Wrapping it up, he says this, you will, he declared a sovereign control, and you will know that I'm holy, but you will honor me. You will honor me. He says this in verse number three. He says, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. If you have that in your Bible, underline, and all the people, I will be glorified. Now, for the priest, you're going you to respect me because I, I got a relationship with you. And you, get a spe- you got a special calling on your life. But with everybody, oh, you, you, you best believe I'm God. And I'm going to show myself and I'm going to be honored. You, 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 you just, you, I'm going to be honored amongst all people. It, it says like this, Romans 14. And 11 says this, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Romans 14, 11. Let me tell you something, Christian. If, 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 Christian, it's going to come a day. You're going to honor the Lord two ways. You're going to honor the Lord righteously by being righteous or by repercussions. The, the righteous ways, you know what? God, you know what? I made mistakes. I've given you strange things. God, I want to get it right because you are a righteous God. The repercussion is this. When you stand before the judgment seat, this is what we're specifically talking about. You're going to stand before the judgment seat. There's going to be a lot of people standing before the judgment seat, and they're going to say, well, Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I can't get a chance. No, but you better not. You, 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 because they're going to see God and they're going to see his glory. He said, I will be honored. If you worship me now, if you don't worship me, don't, 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 don't get mad because somebody ain't not worshiping God. They will come to worship God. Don't get mad when you witness to somebody and they don't know the truth and they just won't come to the truth. They will bow down. Don't get mad at tricks and fads and don't get mad at people that said, I want to be devilish and, and wicked. And you know what? I'm not, you know, I got, I got so much more to live for in Christ. I'm not about to sit here and worry and fret about people that I already know what the Bible says. They are going to bow because Christ said they will bow to me. Repercussions. If you don't want to get it now, you will get it later. But in all actuality, you will get it sometime. And I want all of us in this room, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, or, or you're sitting here like, wait, hold on, what is that God you're talking about? I want you to get it now by righteousness, by saying, God, you're righteous. Now I want you to impart your righteousness in me. But anyway, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be honored. And, and, and you're not going to stop me.
Nothing you can do, nothing you can say. You can get the, you, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, you know how, you know, a lot of Christians say, well, we're the minority and nobody wants to listen to us no more and nobody wants to hear the gospel and nobody wants to hear the truth and all the good churches are closing and no good churches are rising up anymore. And I was then to think about, we're the minority. Let me tell you something, Christian. You were never the minority. You were always the majority. You were always the majority. You know why? Look here. He says, he says and I didn't put the scripture references. He says, greater is he that's in what? Than he that's in the what? All right. So if, if, if God is with us, then who could be a what? Okay, if God is with us and who can be against us, then, then what I'm saying is you will, all people are going to honor his holiness because I'm with God. I'm on God's team. You can't fight us. You can't compete with us. I, Christians, you, you know, we, 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 it's two problems with Christianity. We knock off and we, we, we fear with the repercussions and the fear. We, we fear God. We fear the truth. We fear standing up for the truth. And then what we do is we don't really want to honor God, so we kind of shy off. I I pray today that we don't add strange things to God. I I pray today that we could be a church to say, you know what? What's my desire? I'll tell you what my desire is. I want pure Christianity. I want pure Christianity. That's my goal. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to promote this. I'm not here to promote that. I'm not here to promote this denomination, this sect, this rule, this, this, this standard. I, I'm here to promote pure Christianity. That's my, that, that's my goal. And, and I pray that that be your goal because you can't come before a righteous God and to that be your goal. Say, you know what, God, first of all, I want to be pure and I want to be pure with the Christianity that you've given me. So if I want to be pure, I, I, I want to be righteous. I want you to impart that righteousness in me because I don't want to be in the last days of judgment with the repercussions. I don't want you to sit here and say, walk home and say, you know what? Woe is me They're attacking the Christian because greater is he that's in me, that's God, than he that's in the world. You've always been the majority. Never the minority. Because minority is straight up just loser. And we're not a loser. We will win. You believe we'll win? Do you believe we're going to win? All right, if you believe that we're going to win, then while we're living this life right now, let's live it and offer pure fire to God. Let's offer pure worship to a righteous God. Let's, that, that, let that be our goal. Let that be our dream. Let that be our all. That's, that, that's, that's been the defining moment of my Christianity and my walk in this present moment of my life. I said, God, whatever I do, I want to be pure in everything that I'm saying and doing. I want to be pure in my preaching. I don't want to preach it because Pastor Tony preached it. I don't want to preach it because Pastor Joe, Pastor Tyler, Pastor David. I want to preach it because it's been laid upon my heart and it's biblically accurate and it lines up with the authority of Scripture. I don't want my teaching. I don't want to, I don't want to lead a ministry and lead it because, well, Smojo over here did it and Sister So-and-So did it this way. I want to lead a ministry because, God, I don't want to be in a household. I don't want to be in a marriage. I don't want to live my Christian life and offer strange things. 